and welcome to the Company Watch on the Spot podcast. I'm Joe Ketner, CEO of Company Watch, and I'm joined by Nick Hood, Financial and Commercial Risk Analyst. Welcome, Nick. Hi, Joe. We're recording today's episode on Wednesday, the 9th of February, and today's topic is interest rates, in particular, the looking at the Bank of England report that came out uh, last week, which the headline of which was obviously the, the rise in interest rates to 0.5%, but there's a whole lot of, of interesting analysis and reading between the lines that, that Nick and I have done that is worth talking about. Before we start that, I just wanted to do a quick PS to last week's episode where we talked about companies' house reform, and shortly after we recorded, there was a question at Prime Minister's Questions um, about bringing the economic crime bill that we discussed last week. Um, Boris Johnson, and I guess we will each take this what we will, but he confirmed at the dispatch box that the government will be bringing forward the economic crime bill so that it will be voted on in the third session of Parliament, which should be around kind of from May um, time this year. Um, I was then in touch with one of the members of the Treasury Select Committee just to ask if this economic crime bill would, would include the company's house reform, which is which obviously the key interest for our listeners and, and for us. And he told me that he would be amazed if it didn't include company's house reform. So that's really positive um, news. Again, I would urge people just to kind of keep pressure on any way they, they can, but it, it looks like it's, it's good news um, on that front. So, Nick, back right. to the Bank of England. The Bank of England last Thursday. Well... My prevailing sensation, as I read through the various bits of announcements from Bank of England, was having a cup of warm economic sick emptied all over me. I mean, it didn't matter where you went, it sort of lurched from one, well, we don't really want to do this, and you're not going to like it, to, oh, and by the way, we think this is going to happen, you're not going to like that either. So let's do the headline first, as Joe said, was raising base rate from quarter of a percent to half a percent. That's the first back-to-back MPC raises since 2004. Oh, okay. I have to say it was one headline on uh, social media threw me off completely, and it said, tight MPC vote goes 5-4 for rate doubling. And, and I, just for a brief moment, I thought surely nobody's voting for not increasing. But actually... What it meant was that they were within a whisker and presumably um, Andrew Bailey's casting vote. Absolutely, yeah. It's, it's very tripling. much Andrew Bailey who's made the decision here. I know, yeah. tripling the rate from uh, 0.25 to 0.75. Um, okay, that's where we are at, and we'll come back to where, where that rate might go. Bank of England moved on and added to the sense of doom and gloom by warning that household post-tax disposable income would fall by 2% in 2022, creating the worst falling living standards since comparable records began 30 years ago. Uh, The biggest previous drop was 1.3% in 2011. And that is big. I mean, that is a big thing. Huge. And what are the the driving things behind that are... Oh, all the things in the the cost of living uh, crisis, Mm -hmm. you know, so rising taxes... Um, uh, which, which you know, so far as we know, the the national insurance increase is set in stone for um, for April. Yeah. Um, and absolutely, the, the and we've had obviously the energy price cap um, has gone up by I think fifty four um, percent, yep. which is just again not something that in living memory we've um, we've had to deal with. Yeah. So so that was that. So. Oh. 
boy, I was happy at this stage. You know, I was you know, being, being a pessimist at heart. And, and I, mean, I mean, very much a glass half full, but with a with a, with a very clear eye on, on the glasses along the counter that um, were half empty and empty. Yeah. The bank also predicted that CPI inflation, which is their, well, I think they prefer CPIH, but anyway, CPI inflation will peak at 7.25% in April 2022, uh, highest level since summer 1991. But as Joe and I sort of rolled our eyes at each other earlier, you know, bear in mind the last prediction was 6%. Now we're at 7.25%. Remember that a year ago, they expected inflation to be back at 2% mm. now. Yeah. And you think, and the thing that struck me as well is in the November report, they were a full percentage point different from what the December inflation figure would be. And, you know, you think if you can't even predict a month out, you know, we're now kind of two months out from April, why should, and, and I guess that's the, the issue, isn't it? It's the markets, if the markets decide that they're going to act and they're not going to really kind of take, pay much attention to what the Bank of England are doing, um, there's a big, a big problem. I know. So, hey, that was CPI inflation, but that wasn't the end of it. The MPC believes that the UK GDP growth forecast in 2022 should be cut from 5% to 3.75%. That's a quarter. So I quite like the their their, their um, commentary about it was great GDP growth expected to slow to subdued rates was their um was their way of putting that. Mm. Now now what most of the media missed, not all was that they went on to say that the growth rate they're now predicting for 2023 is 1.25%, and for 2024, it's 1%. So it's almost standstill territory. Yeah. No, and, and inflation doesn't have to be uh, at 7% for that to turn into you know, in, uh, embedded stagflation. Mm. Just hideous. And one last little tidbit, one last little tidbit, just in case anybody was looking for, for, you know, was there some good news? Well, not exactly. MPC um, thinks unemployment at the end of 2023 will be back up to 5%. It's currently at 4.1%. So that's, that's, again, it's a quarter rise. Rise. And it's interesting as well, going back to the point about the GDP growth, I'm, I'm sure many people remember Andy Haldane and his coiled spring um, analogy. This is all around household savings and the build-up of household savings, particularly for kind of middle and higher income um, families and, and people in um, during the pandemic. And the idea was that this was going to, was going to be the... Um, be the powerhouse that would allow the economy to, to, to recover and then to grow. Now, the Bank of England talk about um, the, the savings and at it, Q3 2021, it was 8.3%. And they're expecting that to fall to below 4% by 2022. But, you know, coupled with the sluggish um, growth rates of GDP, that looks like it's really about just making up for the the cost of living increase. It's not really contributing to economic growth. You know, and in a consumer-led economy, you would hope that that, that kind yeah. of build-up of savings should really generate growth. It's yeah. not. It's just really kind of being used to offset um, the, the spiraling cost of, of, of living. And, and clearly, again, that's going to have a disproportionate impact depending on higher income or lower income um, people. So again, that's something that they're looking at. And the other thing that I thought was, was really interesting to, to, um, to look at in the context of what we've, we've talked about a lot is business investments. 
Um, and again, that's that fallen by 2.5% in Q3. And they don't give the comparative figures. They just say it's well below the level of 2019 Q4, so pre-pandemic. And I suppose there we kind of look in the context of the, the increased debts that companies are having on their balance sheets. And you, you'd hope that that would be, you know, somehow some of that would be going into to investment. But actually, it looks like it is for working capital and it's not really being invested in the way that, that should drive yeah. Um, economic sure. growth. So I think, again, that's something to, to be worried about. And if the context of rising interest rates, let's remember lots of these loans that have been taken out government backed, very low interest rates, that cheap money is not going to be available you know, at the point at which companies might have appetite to um, to, to borrow, to, to, to spend, to invest. Um, and again, I think that that could have an impact on the um, on the business investment that we know is so crucial to, to economic growth. And, and, and indeed, it's rather difficult to see many of the one point odd million bounce back loan borrowers um, will be doing much bouncing back. Anyway, so there we go. So no, so there we are. We have a whole raft of hideous figures. But what does that mean? You know, what is it? Uh, you know, who's going to get hurt here? Um, ironically, mortgages. Uh, the impact, at least initially, will be really quite limited. Um, a third of households rent, half of the remaining two thirds don't have a mortgage, either because they never had one or because they've repaid it. Right. And 74% of mortgage holders have fixed rate deals. So what it boils down to is that 9% of households are on tracker variable rate deals. And uh, you know, it's going to be very, very tough for them, especially if the rate goes on Go on, on, on. But then there will be cliff edges, won't there? Because because these rates at the point at which the, and they, these will have variable end dates, don't they? The, the, yeah. the fixed rate mortgages. So there will be kind of cliff edges, I guess, coming yeah. um, when and and let's not forget that there's an affordability um, criteria. So you know what what we're finding is that that people who were who were able to get a reasonably cheap fixed rate deal two years ago, five years ago. When it comes to the the new criteria that, that lenders have to apply, yeah. actually cannot get a, a cheap mortgage and end up going on to a variable yeah. um, rate, yeah, which is obviously much more expensive. Yeah. So what else is linked to base rate? Well, remember all that uh, debt that the HMRC has uh, deferred under five-year time-to-pay arrangements? Did yeah. we tell people that they're agreeing lots of five-year deals? Because they are. Yeah, I think we mentioned that last week. We Absolutely. did, indeed. Yeah. That's why I'm teasing. Um, well, you may have five years to pay, but the interest doesn't stop. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's linked to base rate. So that's quintupled since November. <sighs> interest cost. So I guess a lot of people are going to want to repay that a bit quicker than five years. Um, obviously, mm. commercial borrowing is out there. You know, in all sorts of weird and wonderful forms and products, but base rates in in amongst it. Although, not, let's note that the, about the bounce back loans were not yes, tied to base rates. It was a fixed. Right. It was a fixed rate, so those are looking like I mean, cheap money, cheap cheap money. Yes, um, and those and, and those those um, borrowers under the government schemes that paid off their other debt um, yep. have really done a very clever thing. Yeah, really have. Um, consumer finance rates, credit cards. It's all base rate linked mm. at the bottom of it all. Consumer loans, all these, you know, personal finance plans on cars, all base rate linked one way or another. 
and government debt. The QE pile of 895 million, which the uh, MPC has decided not to add to, uh, is linked to base rate. So 895 million of it um, is now costing five times as much as it was in November. And as we know from previous podcasts, quite a lot of the rest of the debt is linked to inflation. So you're either, I think you're either hooked to base rate or inflation, um, largely there is, there is fixed fix rate uh, uh, debt there, but this is a lose-lose scenario yeah. for the government. And it'll be really interesting to see what's happening to the debt finance costs as we look at the details of GDP in sort of January, February, right Absolutely. through the first. And I suppose that raises two more questions, doesn't it? How far will the rates go? The underlying assumption behind the banks, these, these forecasts I've just forced myself to go through, is 1.5%. Probably, I think the indication, Joe, you said was 1% this year. Yeah, I think so. The 1.5, they reckon they'll get to by mid-2023. But there's a clear signal that they are going to use interest rates as a way of curbing yeah. inflation. That's the, that's the Bank of England's um, preferred method. So you know, over the coming months, they talk about using this, this tool. So then I think, you know, last time I looked at some analyst figures, we were just kind of talking about 1% or so by, by the middle of this um, this year. Although, yeah. again, our, our quip is always, you know, line up economists up and you, you won't get an agreement um, yeah. on where we end up. But that is the, 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 the steer, so 1.5% by mid 2023. Yeah, and what you've got to remember, and you know, as, as one famous former, very lippy former, former member of the MPC said this week, uh, writing in the Telegraph, um, you know, the Bank of England, just like the European Central Bank and the Federal Reserve, are playing catch up from a long way back. And their predictions about inflation have been pitifully out of touch with any other form of reality. Mm. So we just have to see. We, 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 we don't know. And I suppose my final thought was, what does it really matter if rates go to one and a half percent or even a bit higher than that, say they go to two and a half percent, which the Telegraph article was suggesting, and, they, and maybe three. Um, now, I grew up in an era where base rate was 10 percent for a long, quite a long time. Um, it was even 12 percent at the close of business on the day of the UK's ignominious exit from the ERM on Black Wednesday, 16th of September, 1992. I was fortunately getting hammered in a pub um, with a business contact. So I, I missed the excitement <laughs> about it. I had rather a large mortgage at the time, so I'm glad I didn't know until, because at one point it was up at 15%. So, so say it goes to 2.5%, so what? Well, so everything. So everything. Um, credit card debts are endemic. And, and the rates on those aren't one and a half percent. They're 29, 34.9%. Mm-hmm. 34. Um, people have huge mortgages. Huge mortgages. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I was terrified. I think my mortgage at the time of uh, Black Wednesday was 180 grand. I was terrified. I don't think my I don't think my kids would even would even sniff at that. Oh, yeah, about an eyelid, Andrew. That's uh, yeah. That. Mm-hmm. And of course, on top of it all, there's this cost of living crisis going on so that you know if the rates go up and more people fall into that um, uh, higher mortgage payments as they come off fixed rate deals then 
you know, there isn't the spare money. There really isn't. Mm. Well, and that's where, you know, you think that it kind of links back to the Bank of England household, that it was yep. those savings, you know, that's where it's, it's going. And that's not where, for, you know, that I think we're getting into stagflation territory um, then, as you've mentioned, because that's not going to, to grow. That is just going to, to survive, to keep standing, yep. um, to yep. keep standing yep. still. And eventually that, that, that wastes, wastes away. Well, Nick, I'm sorry. That I, thank you very much indeed for the, um, the the really interesting talk through the um, the MPC doc. I think it was worth spending time on there because there's, there's a lot um, in there. There, there. there always is, but I think particularly um, now there, there's a lot more. Um, there's a lot more to, to, to be to be read through through those documents. Um, thanks to everybody for tuning in and listening. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.